You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 12, Reasonable Doubt. Summary. Aizawa needs to get his story and his head on straight. Detective Sakachi's smile might as well be a Google image search for the words fake smile printed off and taped to the front of his face. Eraser, would you care to explain this? Meaning the uncanny resemblance between Aizawa's new intern and the mass murderer whose face is printed on a giant poster inside the neon lit room. Aizawa doesn't really blame him for that. I thought that's what I was doing, Shinso offers instead, holding up his hands to peer at them as if he's perplexed. Weird. Am I see-through or dead or something? That'd fit, Aizawa thinks with a wry grimace, the ghost of Dr. Shinso haunting them on a killer's trail. The detective just wants to know why I brought you here. Why you think you brought him here, Sakachi cautions. Aizawa can't tell if he's serious or not, but either way it's an insinuation that would make Aizawa's blood boil if he thinks about it all at all. Like, grab a detective by the front of his big stupid coat and yell at him boil. Which is to be... avoided. So the only rational option Aizawa has left is to shove the problem out of his lap as fast as it hops into it. Aizawa's just done at the outset. I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. Why not? Sakashi sounds almost as if he's asking if Aizawa can. Even if Aizawa was being controlled by Shinso, he wouldn't have the ability to respond to anyone else anyway. Not that Aizawa would let it happen, except in hush-hush back-alley training exercises. Sakachi seems to be making some wild logical leaps, which is part and parcel of the territory. Consider every angle, Aizawa does it himself. But some things are too illogical to dwell on for more than a moment. However, Sakachi's got... Whatever Scotchy's got in his head must be one of those utterly dismissible wild balls if he suspects Shinso of anything. Because it's against the law to punch you, Aizawa replies bluntly. He'll definitely at least pretend to accidentally shoulder Sakachi if he gets a chance. Instead, Aizawa stays still and uses bigger words than he could actions. Hitoshi isn't like his father. As soon as he says it, Aizawa wishes he'd gone the other way. Except that saying Shinso reiterates the connection Aizawa wants to disprove. Why Shinso is, Hitoshi is, different. Not like his biological father. He's like... Uh, Aizawa needs to get his head on straight. The piercing down the lens stare of Dr. Shinso Masaru's face plastered four foot high on a poster isn't helping one bit. Sakachi remains unapologetic. Like some kind of professional. You understand that as a detective, it's literally my job to consider every possibility. Done has become dunner. You've considered it. Move on. Aizawa doesn't put it lightly, because he's one shred of remaining rationality away from actually clocking Sakachi. He can't, but that doesn't affect the amount of wanting to. Even if Sakachi is just doing his job, and rationally, Aizawa knows that. He just isn't terribly rational about Shinso anymore. Seeing everyone think the worst of the kid before they dare to consider the best. Why should Aizawa be unbiased when everyone else clearly isn't? Dislike it or hate it, those are the two options. Scotchy remains over ever the skeptic, which is supposed to be Aizawa's job in the flirt first place, being the biggest cynic in the room. So I'm supposed to take this for coincidence. The detective is standing with Dr. Shinso's face as his accidental backdrop, 
and it's unnerving the shit out of Aizawa, which in turn makes him more defiant. You're supposed to take me at my word. Aizawa snaps like the crack of one of Midnight's whips. His quirk is dormant, but there is still an erasing aspect to Aizawa's gaze as he finds Sakachi's and locks it the hell down. I'm responsible for him. That means doubting Shinso is calling Aizawa's credibility as a hero into question, and he's handed the police too many aces and too many holes to be challenged on that front. Sakachi holds Aizawa's stare for a moment, then turns it back to the wall, tiled in an irregular mosaic to the illustrious Dr. Shinso, mass murderer, PhD. Aizawa's asking for a little more than usual, and the detective makes this known. So you keep saying... Sakachi could use his quirk on Aizawa, the oh-so-pleasant, not, experience of being mentally probed by the human lie detector. The detective could try it, and Aizawa might actually let him, just to prove he's being completely honest about Shinso. It's insulting, but Aizawa would do it for the kid. The connection between me and the doc here is obvious. Shinso steps closer to the wall, peering close enough to the, read the text of the pages. Aizawa knows what they are already, but he won't stop Shinso drawing his own conclusions. Isn't the connection to the killer what we're supposed to be interested in? Turning back, Shinso affixes an accusatory look on Sakachi. Or maybe I've got this police work thing all wrong. Then perhaps that's something you can tell me about. Sakachi drags his, are you seriously asking me to go with this? Gaze away from Aizawa and drifts closer to Shinso moving to get a better look at the pages pinned across the wall. Aizawa follows his hunch and asks, without thinking, like an idiot, from the back of the room, Are they from his book? Shinso's head whips around, looking entirely spooky by the eerie floor lighting in this unpleasant little karaoke booth of a room. How do you know? The writing on the wall. Aizawa indicates before this can look any weirder than it has to. Shinso's attention pulls over to the scrawling mess of numbers converging in the middle of the wall adjacent to the doc's neon-lit stare. Aizawa recognizes the page layouts from across the room, too, and that would imply he's actually been reading Dr. Shinso's book more closely, which would not help this delicate situation with Sakachi right now. So Aizawa keeps it in... So Aizawa keeps it under his hat, so to speak. What does that mean? Sakachi practices on, the last uninformed party of the situation. Unfortunately, also the only party with actual legal jurisdiction. My father wrote a book called The 90% Mind, Shinso answers, just like Aizawa wants him to. Just because Shinso has shown all, well, most of his cards, doesn't mean Aizawa has to give the game up himself. Only one of them needs to look suspiciously well-informed on the subject of the doctor's body of work right now. And what does that have to do with Hakamata Shioko? Scotchy asks if that even is her name. I can prove it is. Aizawa interjects like a fool, getting straight to the point and directing the investigation like a class plan. Check the freezer. Sakachi gives Aizawa a look he's gotten from Izashi too many times to count. It's the, you're about to gross me out face. Why? Sakachi sounds unduly concerned. What's in the freezer? The missing piece of the puzzle. Aizawa answers as he finally steps closer to check the individual pages torn from Dr. Shinso's book. They're fixed to the wall in a disjointed order, like someone tried to map out the professor's insane theories in real space. Hitoshi's right. It's the relationship between the doc and Shioko they should be worried about. Once Kachi urgently passes Aizawa on his way out of the haunted bedroom, 
as Alephalos' shoulder allows his shoulder to bump the detectives by merit of not giving way as he's coming through. Like that small jostle of contact it shakes out of Aizawa, he flings a handful of vindictive, dare-to-doubt-me salt at Sakachi. One of them. Sakachi's got other priorities than Aizawa, uh, letting... Sakachi's got other priorities than letting Aizawa get a rise out of him, disappearing across the apartment like a bloodhound following a scent. There's the plasticky thwump of the freezer opening and the cry, Fucking hell, Eraser! You could've warned me! Language. Aizawa nags drearily as he plods through the main room, where Scotchy's glaring at him in front of the open freezer containing a perfectly preserved chunk of a man's hand. Would you care to explain this? Scotchy bursts like a blocked hosepipe after the water's been turned on a few minutes. Settle down, Aizawa sighs. I know whose hand that is. Why is that supposed to reassure me? Sakachi tries to outdo Aizawa's sigh by several hundred percent. Shinso shuffles in after Aizawa and quickly becomes a victim of the demand, Did you know about this? About what? Ugh! Shinso reacts pretty authentically. Aizawa wouldn't put it past him to overreact for the drama of it, though. I heard the police were shorthanded, but this is something else. All hell breaks loose shortly after. So the missing piece Aizawa spoke of was a frozen two-thirds of a human hand. So what? There's no reason for Sakachi to make such a fuss over it. Even if Aizawa can appreciate that it could be construed to look a little... Mm, suspect. There's no reason for Sakachi to actually suspect them. So Shinso is the son of a mass murderer professor of mentalist quirks, who their prime, who's their prime suspect is obsessed with. So Aizawa knew about the hand in the freezer, because he looked. And exactly whose it was. How long it's been there, and why it proves the killer's real name. It's typical. Do some good detective work and end up looking like a serial killer. Or a serial's a killer's accomplices. Some thinks Aizawa gets for doing the police's job for him. Again. Sure, perhaps that wasn't the best line to drop. Angrily, while trying to explain it all to Sakachi. But Aizawa only has so much patience. Or perhaps it, or perhaps it should be not much. Sakachi could always use his quirk on Aizawa. But the judges and lawyers have a lovely way of calling everything into question when a suspicious quirk like Aizawa's factors into the police report during a trial. They'd say there's no way of knowing Aizawa didn't erase Sakachi's quirk and only make it seem like he wasn't lying. Counteracting the detective's inbuilt ability to whip a falsehood in someone's brain like bad cheese at the back of the fridge. Because Sakachi can only do it when he's sticking his head in there for a sniff and Aizawa can deny him the second he feels it happen, which Aizawa can and will if those meddlesome fingers start testing the locked handle to his mind. Aizawa would also be offended if Sakachi actually felt the need to test whether Aizawa is complicit in this clusterfuck, so left to settle this the old-fashioned way, with a quarrel. It's obviously still in the middle of arguing with the detective I need reasonable doubt Sakachi that Aizawa's phone starts to sing its most attention-grabbing of ringtones. He ignores it the first time, but by the third pick-me-up cycle, Aizawa finally breaks away from squabbling, about how much police evidence he's allowed access to and answers it. Aizawa tries not to stamp, snap, and surely fails at it. What? Sort your shit out and get over here, bitch. Ah, Hisashi's classic no-fooling term of address. We're going out. This isn't the time. You know as well as I do there's no such thing as the time, Hisashi counters fiercely. 
as Owl wonders if he's at home yet, or maybe still driving. Pulling faces at himself in the mirror either way, no doubt. Saturday night, Saturday night means no excuses. Sakachi looks annoyed that Aizawa decided to answer the phone, which is already a good enough reason to have done it. I have to finish up with an... It's Sakachi he's looking at, not Shinso. Never Shinso. Well, sometimes. Annoyance over here. I'll text you when I'm on my way. No, you won't. Okay, I won't. Aizawa repeats back to Hizashi, a firm tug to hoist him up by his own petard. Bye. Wait! Hizashi's shout has barely started when Aizawa hangs up. Re reverting to their heated topic of discussion, Sakachi adjusts his hat and declares, Give me one good reason I shouldn't call the chief and tell him you've been withholding evidence. Because without me, the evidence wouldn't even exist. Aizawa has run this damn case so far, and Sakachi knows it. He just needs the law to actually pick up the damn thing once he's snatched it hot off the stove. Which means not pissing around wanting to know why Aizawa knows certain things, no bitch fits over his methodology, and no talk on whether the things he's done could be considered unprofessional or technically illegal or would hold up in court. Aizawa's job is to catch the killer. The police's is to prove they did it. It's lucky that Aizawa hasn't had to make mention of the father-son visit to famous mass murderer in high-security prison part of his and Shinzo's recent casework thus far. There's no need to get pulled into that murky world of suspicion. Neither Aizawa nor Shinzo could be in any way responsible for these deaths, of course, but to someone who doesn't think too hard about things, it could be possible, and that's enough to sensationalize. You gotta admit, arresting someone for doing your job wouldn't look great to your boss. Shinzo's leaning against the desk counter as Aizawa and Sakachi argue about the open freezer. Sakachi has pocketed his hat and puts on a pair of latex gloves and produces a large evidence bag from one of his seemingly endless coat pockets. I'll get to you later, kid. Sakachi doesn't exactly snap, but Aizawa doesn't appreciate his tone one bit. I can't believe I have to say this to you, Eraser, but if you find human body parts at a crime scene, I expect you to tell me about it. I did. Right away! Well, that's just pedantry, Aizawa counters stiffly. I was going to tell you once we looked over the whole place. Sure, right after we stopped off at the shrine to your intern's father. I wasn't expecting that. Then you could act a little more surprised. How's this? Aizawa's expression doesn't change. He just deadpan stares at Sakachi, wondering how much longer they're going to have to do this. Crappy. Shinso isn't exactly helping, but he can't really make things much worse either. And Aizawa finds him amusing, so that counts for something. What about this? Shinso points at his face, mimicking a kind of concerted surprise. Oh no! We found a piece of critical evidence in the home of our prime suspect. How terrible for us! Sakachi looks as if he'd like to tell Aizawa to keep his intern under control, but for the fact that this is Aizawa's intern. Expectations will have to be managed about what constitutes under control in the first place. As I was not going to stop Shinso saying or doing things, he'd probably do himself. In fact, he'd probably be even worse if it was just Aizawa and the poor, frustrated detective. He is at least trying to set a reasonable example for Shinso. So really, Sakachi ought to be thanking Shinso. He's the reason Aizawa is using the barest form of restraint and not actively encouraging the shit talk. Thankfully, Aizawa can just prove his innocence, and sometimes that works too. The level of frost buildup should indicate how long the hand has been there. There's no way I could have planted it recently. 
A delicate icing has crept across the irregularly butchered piece of human wrist and hand that stands neatly preserved in the back of the freezer. It'll be solid all the way through, no way Aizawa could have had it on him, even pre-frozen, and placed it in this freezer just to make the police look silly. Why on earth would he even want to? Reasonable doubt, Aizawa's ass. But Sakachi remains unflapped. Your kid pointed out this place has been accessed from the outside before. What if I'm asked why it couldn't have been you? One. I only got this address when you sent it. Aizawa begins. Two. The shoe has to fit. Shinso jumps in right after. The footprint isn't big enough to be either of ours. Sakachi writes all this down in his notebook and flips it shut. Fine. He takes a picture of the hand in the freezer, and then reaches in to snap it out of its frosted mount. The tension seems to hold like a roof of uncertain thickness, no one falling through the ceiling into a packed biker den. Maybe reasonable doubt can be reasonable now and again. Look for the writing, as Ow instructs when it seems like they're out of the weeds. For now. Sakachi finds it, exactly as Aizawa expected, even before looking himself some time earlier. Hakamata Shi. Shioko. Aizawa finishes. You'll find the rest of the body in your morgue. Aizawa frowns as he drops the hand in an evidence bag. I sometimes wonder who Kuwabara thinks she works for. Whoever's on the case. Aizawa interjects wearily. They've done this dance before. Can we put the pissing contest on hold and finish up? Why? You got a better invitation? Shinso teases. Then this? Aizawa replies scathingly, but he's looking right at Sakachi in comparison. Would've thought that's obvious. Unless you've hidden any more body parts around here that you've yet to tell me about, Eraser. I've seen everything I can stomach for the night. Sakachi's also got a handsicle in a bag that's no longer on ice, which is a frozen treat that no one wants melting in the backseat of their car. Hazashi wouldn't drive Aizawa to school for weeks after they learned that invaluable lesson. Aizawa clears out a list in his head scrawled on the mental equivalent of the back of a receipt. Nothing springs to mind. Unlike the not-all-that-unfortunate molester who sprung to his death after launching himself from the platform, striking the train with so much impact the shattering windscreen sliced him literally to pieces, a piece that Shioko found and kept. Aizawa feels a few blocks shift in his mind. The first death was the trigger, complete with motive and premeditation. But then, like Dr. Shinso said, one is never enough. She didn't get the job, or it stopped mattering. Shioko was assaulted on the train home, and instead of accepting it, instead of going to an authority that would look with this, look at this with unkind indifference, she grabbed her attacker and pulled him back. As Al remembers the tape from the station still, how startled the man was for Shioko to come after him, allowing her to write her name on the back of his hand while he fell into a brainwashed trance. Shioko left, or went to hide, and waited while her victim stood on the platform waiting to die. Was he aware, in some level of his consciousness, as he stood there, staring blank ahead and not moving a muscle until the train came charging into the station, when he leapt with unnatural force to launch himself in front of the train, butchering his body like a Kobe, Kobe cow, with the finest cut set aside for Shioko? That's why Aizawa believes the hand was left here, in the apartment she abandoned when the pattern truly began. A physical statement of intent left for them to find on the cold part of her trail. This is where, how, a single act of vengeance became a warped killing spree, 
each death more angry and brutal than the last. The real question, it inevitably follows, is how far will it go before she stopped? The car ride back to the police station is quiet and prickly, like invisible barbed wire is strung through the back of the police car in all directions. Not really wanting to be in the separated front of the police car, probably not even technically allowed to ride passenger, though he does it with Tom all the time, Azawa sits in the back with Shinso rather than let, rather than with Sakachi up front. So this is what it feels like, Shinso murmurs as they first settle in. Being in the back of a police car, Aizawa assumes, though Shinso has ridden in the back of plenty of times while Yamaguchi is driving. Maybe she's different, at least to Shinso. You get used to it. Shinso looks around and narrows his eyes at Sakachi in the driver's seat. Dunno about that. What are you two murmuring about back there? Sakachi pipes up from the front. It better not be the case. Just planning our next murder. Shinso announces with complete deadpan defiance. Aizawa jabs him in the arm with his elbow. Joking! Jeez, you're lame. Horses are lame, Aizawa counters, which Shinso seems to find cringeworthy. I'm sticking my neck out for you. Try not to make me look like an asshole doing it. Shinso's expression turns sheepish. Can't believe it took you this long to work out my evil plan. Ah, yes. The ultimate strategy. Make Aizawa look soft by taking so many liberties on a bratty shit-talker of a kid. Aizawa would be ashamed if he wasn't so proud. Aizawa gives Shinso another shove, and then his phone starts to sing its impassioned love song once more. Aizawa would change it, but that takes effort and a grasp. And a mastery of phone settings he has absolutely no grasp on. The secrets of its operation kept like a dragon horde. Azashi has fried every single mobile phone Aizawa has ever owned and always replaces them with some new and fancier model that Aizawa only has only just figured out how to use when Izashi blows it out again. Aizawa suspects he gets them for free from one of his ad deals. I'm definitely getting a personalized ringtone, Shinso seems to be muttering as Aizawa picks up. Rolling his eyes at Shinso, Aizawa answers, Yeah? Hizashi is indignant. Yeah? Where the fuck are you? Back of a police car. On my way to the station. Oh, did you finally snap? Do I need to come bail you out at long last? Normally that'd be a funny joke. <laughs> right now it's a little awkward. No. All right, all right, chill, baby. So you're on your way home. That's overstating it. Yes, you are. It's not a negotiation. It's a declaration of terms. Saturday night means no excuses. Aizawa answers quietly. Except work. Fuck work! Hizashi is right, of course. You know I'm right. I do. Then stop screwing around and get back here. Back at home is where the screwing around will happen, surely. But Aizawa's not going to dwell on that just yet. Soon. I'm gonna pregame without you. Hizashi sounds like he already has, going by the irregular volume of his voice and what sounds like music in the background. You always do. Shinso is watching Aizawa out of the corner of his eye, pretending he's not. Love you. Hizashi is testing him, surely. Calls it free therapy, making Aizawa declare, declare his love over the phone in a variety of public places. Or get called a coward. In court was one of the weirder ones. This is a baby tear in comparison. Aizawa is no coward. 
Love you too. Izawa catches the subtle shift of recognition from Shinso, desperate as ever for those morsels of teacher's life outside school hours. Outside the school hours that fall outside actual school hours, at least. Good. Hizashi is content with his offering. Now get your ass back here, slut. This time it's Hizashi who hangs up, as I was left smiling, still holding the phone to his face. Looks like someone's getting laid tonight. Shinso doesn't really joke, but Aizawa lets him get away with it. It's just a bit of banter. Teachers and students aren't really meant to joke about that kind of stuff. Then again, they aren't really teacher and student. That's why Aizawa replies, as much to the ever-so-grown-up delight of Shinso, I goddamn hope so. Aizawa has no sooner crossed the threshold of his own door than a pair of flying jeans strike him clean across the face. This isn't the work of best genist, but one Yamada Hizashi, who in spite of having hours ahead of Aizawa to prepare, seems to have drunk disproportionately more whiskey than he's actually gotten himself ready to go out a la Saturday night. In fact, going by the music blaring and rocking movement of Hizashi's body as Aizawa comes through the door, he's gotten the party started already. Aizawa's best guess is Hizashi was swinging the only pair of jeans Aizawa tolerates wearing around his head like a lasso before he walked in. Hizashi takes a swig of his drink, and a solid sphere of ice clinks against the side of one of his fancy whiskey glasses, the ones Aizawa isn't supposed to touch. Aizawa wonders if Hizashi washes them first, because Aizawa's definitely stuck his balls in them. Out of principle, obviously. More than once. Usually after Hizashi clucks at him for drinking coffee out of them when he can't find the mugs. Serves Hizashi right for rearranging the fucking cupboards all the time. The alcohol would probably kill off anything suspect in the glasses, Aizawa concludes, as Hizashi takes another thirsty swig of whiskey. Like he's got to load up his tongue and ready his cork to spit actual fire at Aizawa. But all Hizashi offers is a smuggish, Check your sweet fucking time. Aizawa looks the love of his life up and down and wonders, not for the first time or last, how on earth he ended up with such a creature. You've got to be kidding me. Hey! Hizashi's outraged, of course, but he knows exactly what Aizawa's referring to. These used to belong to Eddie Murphy, I'll have you know. Aizawa doesn't have the faintest idea who that is, but whoever that is, he clearly likes bright red leather pants. Going by the way Hizashi fills out the skin-tight layer wrapping around his thighs, this Eddie guy also liked his pants intimately tight. Naturally, Hizashi's got no shirt to speak of either. With a bare chest and his arms outstretched, Hizashi could be posing for one of his ridiculous album cover photo shoots. Or, God forbid, advertisements. He makes all this outrageous cash off. Being a teacher and pro-hero are satisfying careers, sure. Being a musician is another side piece, as the entrepreneurial all-arounder calls it. But Hizashi has to get the cash for his literal mansion of high-end living somewhere, and it's no secret that adverts are great money. Aizawa spots the familiar outline of his goggles, not the actual ones, but a cleverly depth-deceiving tattoo set wrapped around Hizashi's bicep, an addition that came shortly after they became an item, so to speak. The band sits nestled between the start of the keyboard that goes all the way around Hizashi's arm, and matching sun and moon that wrap around each of his shoulders. The rest of Hizashi's shoulders and neck is hidden parts of the story for now. The rest of Hizashi's shoulders and neck is hidden parts of the story for now, 
contained by the loose tresses of his unstyled hair. This could mean two things, as I was about to find out which. What if we don't go out? Oh no! Hisashi's hand shoots out with the whiskey glass at the end of it, a single finger outstretched to point at Aizawa. Don't you dare, Shota! You're barely ready. After fifteen years beside Hisashi, Aizawa's judgment for these things has been whittled down to a perfect needlepoint. He takes a few steps over to the lounge area Hisashi is, is set up in. If the bottle of whiskey on the table and pack of... Aizawa knew he'd pinch them. Cigarettes is in the end is any indication. Someone at work bought those for me, Aizawa tells Hisashi as he gets close enough to be certain it's the nice cigarettes Yamaguchi picked up. I haven't had any, Hisashi purrs, starting to shake and shift to the music again. Yet? Then why steal them? Aizawa barely considers before returning, before returning back to the point they were buying away from. What is there to do outside that we can't do here? Aizawa takes a step closer and then stops on the other side of the sofa. Not to mention, there are things they can do here that they can't do outside. Not without getting arrested for indecency. Saturday night means... I know what it means, Aizawa cuts him off, putting a hand down to vault across the sofa and rapidly close the distance between them. He only has to straighten up before Hisashi's half-assed, but what an ass, dancing collides with the shock-absorbing punch bag of Aizawa's body. He wraps an arm around Hisashi and looks straight at him. They're just about the same height when Aizawa's in boots and Hisashi's barefoot. There aren't many people Aizawa stares at like this without using his quirk. As always, Hisashi adores the eye of his beholder, stationary barely a moment before he sprawls backwards against the sure weight of Aizawa's arm folded behind him. Hisashi has less raw power than Aizawa in his body, doesn't need it with a voice like that. It makes up for it in limberness, spine flexing like a spring as he flicks rockstar hair behind his shoulders. A mantle of inky lanterns hangs across Hisashi's collarbone, stretching from shoulder to shoulder. The face of the largest lanterns are painted with the names of the people who mean the most to Hisashi. His parents, siblings, Aizawa again. Though that stylized stencil of his name dates back to when they were just friends. You're my best friend, of course I want you there. He'd scoffed at the time, totally blasé about having Aizawa's name inked on him forever. Awkwardly, Hisashi's then-girlfriend had gotten the spot, too. A lantern that's now been filled in with a solid green that sets off Hisashi's eyes as he gazes lovingly back at Aizawa. Below the string of lanterns, on the left side of Hisashi's chest, is a styled heart. Anatomical in design, but bursting with music notes instead of blood cells. His right peck is covered in a piece of manuscript. The notes mixed in with the notes mixed in with figures like kids' toys playing heroes and villains. A musical comic strip of his life as a hero. He picked it up from a fan design competition. Hisashi took Aizawa with him for dinner with the winner instead of his then, different girlfriend. It's always been sensible to keep girls who dated Hisashi away from his more intense fans, and Aizawa was the perfect nameless stand-in, who got free dinner and drinks all night at such events. At a time when Aizawa didn't really buy food himself in a conventional sense. A three-course dinner and as much as he could drink was sometimes the most he'd have eaten in weeks. Then again, there was the whole thing where the fans who looked feverishly at the publicity that came out about these things thought Aizawa and Nazashi were... together. They weren't at the time, but had probably let the rumor run on longer than if they'd not been a little too comfy with people thinking they were a couple. 
They hadn't been, but that was mostly because it had never occurred to Aizawa to think of Hizashi as attractive. He was just Hizashi, or Yamada back then. Aizawa hadn't made a point of ogling the physical assets of his friends on a daily basis, or ever. It wasn't something he looked for at all, much less in friends he already had an important relationship with. What was the need to change something that already worked? It'd taken direct confrontation for Aizawa to even consider whether Hizashi was attractive or not. More the fool Aizawa. He'd have realized what a stone-cold knockout he'd been best friends with his whole adult life. Hizashi's grinning at Aizawa like he sure knows it, too. When Aizawa does fall, it's hard. However, perhaps because of the notion that he's already got Aizawa right where he wants him, when Aizawa leans in, Hizashi tries to wriggle away, just to be sure Aizawa will catch and reel him back. Too damn right. With just a squeeze of his arm around Hizashi's back, Aizawa draws him into a whiskey-tasting kiss that escalates fast. Aizawa's palm slides down the patterned skin of Hizashi's back until he hits tight leather, giving Hizashi's ass a no-nonsense grope. It's a well-known fact that Hizashi's a flirt, but Aizawa is all hands. Let's stay in, he poses devilishly in Hizashi's ear, the voice of a lethargic do-nothing tempting him into bed. Hizashi settles on the sofa, which he achieves by sitting his ass down on it with Aizawa's hand still on it, because Aizawa allows it to happen. This results in Hizashi's ass cheek planted square in Aizawa's hand as he spreads himself out across the sofa, dragging the rest of Aizawa over him like pulling up a cover. With the far more prolific and varied dating history, or lack thereof in Aizawa's case, between them, Hizashi is without a doubt the smoother operator between them. This means he knows exactly what he's doing as Aizawa comes in to boldly straddle Hizashi's lap, unfastening Aizawa's belt and pulling down the zipper on his jumpsuit with a well-practiced fluidity. Right before grasping fingers snake into the hollow between Aizawa's bare skin and the fabric. Hizashi's got his hand around Aizawa's cock so fast it's amazing there isn't a small breeze left in his wake, squeezing a grizzled noise of encouragement from Aizawa's sandpaper throat. Hizashi looks at Aizawa with a billionaire's smile and a hand deftly working inside Aizawa's boxers. We can go out after. Aizawa has a feeling he's in for another long night, just in the best way possible. It's past ten before Aizawa and Hizashi have both taken all their clothes off, gotten very sidetracked, and then finally put different ones on, respectively getting ready enough to go out for that Saturday night on the town Hizashi's adamantly been calling for. In Hizashi's case, this means an only marginally less outlandish outfit. Aizawa hid the red leather under the sofa, and in Aizawa's case, changing into his people clothes and a quick catnap on the sofa. This makes it nearly 11 before they even arrive at the seedy bar that they finally agreed on going to halfway through the drive to another place. Hizashi paying the driver extra for changing the destination in his enthusiasm to go back to their old regular. The destination in question is a bar that they've been avoiding for a while, on account of Aizawa getting stabbed the last time they were there. Just lightly, but it's a powder kick they figured it'd be good to stay away from. At least for a bit. It's hard to stay away from a favorite, and this is the kind of dive where the cheapness of the drinks undercuts all classes and social strata. Everyone in here must have some reason for wanting to get fucked up on the cheap. For Aizawa and Hizashi, it's a good place to cruise for illegal activity, hence why Mike has his hair pulled into a simple ponytail and contacts instead of glasses. Hizashi's straight up shirtless under one of his many leather jackets, putting a fair amount of, of his skin, 
and tattoos on show on top of the black drainpipe jeans that make him look like some kind of stick figure caricature, dashing around all excited once they get out of the taxi near the bar. Only people who are thinking really hard about it will equate this Yakuza-esque looking motherfucker with the popular voice hero, Present Mike. If anything, Aizawa is the one they're going to remember. The busybody they knife for trying, and succeeding, in breaking up a drug trafficking ring running out of the men's bathroom three weeks ago. Aizawa is out of his usual garb as a gesture to date night, being more than just getting drunk on the job with Hizashi, even if that's usually exactly what it is. There's only one outfit that Aizawa has agreed to wear out in years upon years of Hizashi pleading for Aizawa to let Hizashi dress him. It consists of one pair of jeans Hizashi brought back from a trip to America, the only pair he's found that actually fit Aizawa and haven't split open the first time he squats in them, and a generic black t-shirt that Aizawa is certain Hizashi buys for him a size too small on purpose. That's his going out outfit, and until it stops being Hizashi approved for such purposes, Aizawa won't be getting another one. After an only slightly awkward stare when they first stroll in, Aizawa and Hizashi mosey up to the bar for a couple of drinks, more whiskey for Hizashi, beer for Aizawa, and then settle in on a pair of high stools tucked in a corner around a table that's extremely tacky both in style and texture. All right, lover. Hizashi breaks into a smile that's like sun burning through cloudy skies. How the fuck are you? 